0: Hello and welcome back to Self-Healing After Trauma. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Asher Beckwith, and we have Kimberly Ward here as well, your co-host. And today we are so, so super excited to welcome Dr. Inga James. And Dr. James has been the president and executive director of Hartley House since 2014. And if you all recall, I did a talk for Hartley House and have been working with them recently and shared some of that journey on the podcast with you. And she has more than 40 years working with human service and nonprofit sectors. Dr. James sits on several boards dedicated to family violence, including the Maryland Network Against Domestic Violence, for which she is the immediate past president. And in 2019, she was appointed to the Governor's Workshop to, or work group rather, sorry, to study visitation and custody decisions when child abuse or domestic violence are alleged. And in 2021, she was named to the Governor Commission for Trauma-Informed Care. And in 2020, in response to the pandemic crisis, Dr. James founded and now chairs the trauma response in Frederick, Maryland. And Dr. James has a master's degree in Social Work and then Master's and PhD in Organizational Psychology. So thank you so much, Dr. James, for joining us today. It is a pleasure to have you on here. And we are going to talk about some of your work with the Trauma Response Network. So would you mind please telling us what, it, what that is about? Sure. Thank you. And
1: thank you for having me. I'm so pleased to be here. Trauma Responsive Frederick, which is based in Frederick, Maryland, um, is an organization I started uh, at the outset of COVID. Um, so literally our first meeting was in April of 2020. Um, we were, I was, I was very concerned about the lack of services, resources, and infrastructure in helping our community with the behavioral health issues that we were hearing from experts were going to be happening during COVID and after COVID and, you know, suicide rate going up and domestic violence going up, depression going up, all that happened. Um, But there was nobody at the governmental level was working on putting together resources for this or any kind of plan. So I said, well, if our local authorities or our statewide authorities are not going to do anything, then it has to come from the grassroots. Uh, And, and so I put together a plan for a member based organization that I wanted to call trauma responsive Frederick. And I had some meetings with some funders, some um, foundation executive directors in town here, and they said that they thought it was a wonderful idea and that they would send out uh, my invitation to join the group to their networks. And after it went out in their networks, uh, within 48 hours, I had 50 people interested in wanting to join Trauma Responsive Frederick. And um, so we put together this organization, we created a mission and a vision and some goals, um, but the, but the, in a nutcracker, what we do has to do with networking, bringing organizations together to better serve our community, education. So public awareness is huge for us. And um, what did I say? networking, public education, and advocacy. So we work not only with government leaders um, about creating policy um, and bringing trauma-informed practices into governmental structures. So we work with them on that, but we also um, are doing a whole, are, are starting to get more and more engaged in legislative advocacy. Now our governor currently uh, supports the governor's tran- um governor's commission on trauma informed care which was actually created by the former governor but our current governor is uh is very much in favor of it um and actually had a trauma platform about trauma informed care so uh that that's a thrilling organization um that has come together, a commission. But the Trauma Responsive Frederick, uh, we've been operating since April of 2020. And just in the last six months, we got our 501c3. So we're now a a nonprofit organization. and, um, And we continue to do the work of helping people understand what's necessary in creating a trauma-informed community. Uh, We have started to do um, some forays into training and technical assistance with organizations so we can actually go into an organization. Most of our clients here have been nonprofit organizations. And we can go in and actually do an organizational assessment based on trauma-informed practices, um, and and show them where their gaps might be, whether it's about transparency or safety or empowerment, whatever whatever the different um, the different principle might be. They know where to focus. They know um, what dimensions to focus on. So we're doing a lot of that currently. So we're we're kind of working the micro out and the macro in. So that's a little bit about the work I've been doing with trauma responsive Frederick.
0: Great. Can you tell us more about what trauma-informed care is? Sure. Um, There used
1: let me see how I want to say this. There's a lot of science behind trauma and trauma-informed care because I don't want anybody to get the idea that being trauma-informed is just being compassionate or it's just being kind um, because there's actual science behind it. And those two words are not really in the science, Um, but there are certain principles in which those of us who work to be trauma-informed carry with us. um, SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration created the original uh, trauma-informed practices model. They have six principles in their model. The state of Maryland is working with a little different model. Um, that has elevated the uh, gender, racial, and historical issues to a greater extent. Basically, what we've done at the state level is to knock out that principle of gender, racial, and historical issues and replace it with anti-bias, anti-racism, and resilience orientation. So being trauma informed means giving people a voice, allowing them a voice in their own care, in their own work, because we try to practice it as a trauma informed organization as well. So we treat each other with these principles. And as As the leader of the organization, I I definitely try to make sure everybody's educated on the trauma-informed principles. So people should have a voice. We need to have people with lived experience at our table, helping us understand what, what their experiences have been so we can better tailor our services. We need to be transparent. The only way to build trust is to be transparent. Because when when you start holding things back, people discover it. It's just the way it is, and and then and then no longer is that trust there. Um, so we so transparency is really critical. Um, it's it's really important to make everybody at the workplace, clients, staff, everybody feel safe. Whether that's physical safety, like it is in my business, um, where we run an emergency shelter for uh survivors of intimate partner violence obviously there's always a safety factor that's why we have a shelter so um we have to worry about our physical safety but there's also emotional safety there's moral safety there's spiritual safety um i think that some of the things that are happening currently i'll just talk about big picture Currently in the world um, where we've got religions starting to be pitted against each other all over the place, that's that's a feeling of religious insecurity. And when it starts bleeding into the workplace or into our into our who we are as a community. Um, we have to be really concerned because that's re-traumatizing for people and what what we don't want to do absolute number one goal is not to re-traumatize um, so those are the those are the basic principles and those are the ways in which i, I expect
0: myself and my staff to behave mm-hmm. yeah when you talk about safety can you explain what what that means to to listeners sure um, well, we,
1: we know what it means when we sit in a group of people where we feel uncomfortable saying anything. Mm-hmm. And the reason we feel uncomfortable saying anything is because we're afraid that they'll, they'll think I'm stupid. Um, because nobody will agree with me because I'll look like a sore thumb, and all of these reasons, but that's all about safety. It's all about feeling safe and feeling safe enough to have a voice, to feel like a like a one hundred percent contributor, um, and to be a partner in whether it's the work or the client's plan, goal plan, whatever it might be. Um, you have to you have to be able to feel safe psychologically so that you're not gonna walk away and say, oh, I must be that stupid.
0: Mm. Mm. Kimberly, I I saw you were, I think you were wanting to ask something. Oh, I
2: I love how you mean there's the physical safety, emotional safety, moral safety, spiritual safety. So there's being safe in conversation. Um, do you see in like when you go into an organization, is there a lot of concern around the physical safety?
1: Like, like, is, is that something you come in to contact a lot? Um, you know, it's funny. It depends, it depends on whether um, the organization is made up mostly of women or men. Hmm. Um, and so for women, yeah, physical safety is a big deal, making sure you can get to your car without it being too dark. It's a big
2: deal, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. what are the things that you encourage organizations to do to make sure that that physical safety is in place? So, lighting, like lighting is one thing.
1: Um, and dependent depending on who they work with or how isolated they are, panic buttons sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, also to. Form a relationship with the police or the sheriff's office um, to let them know that there are people working late at night, whatever it might be. Um, And can they just, you know, do a cruise by every once in a while, make sure everything's okay? There are all kinds of ways to help people feel more safe. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, and it's just a matter of putting them into practice. And, 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 the first thing you've got to do is is to understand what is the problem mm. and if you work a 9 to 5 job you're never going to feel unsafe leaving work i mean unless you know you work in a really bad neighborhood but but, but you're not, you know, I mean, you're just not gonna feel it. It's the people that work until 10 o'clock at night that should be telling you what they need to feel safe. So so that again, is making sure you, you give them a voice. Um, so yeah, I think physical safety is an issue. I think it's physical safety also enters um, when you're talking about bullying or uh, abuse on the job where you feel threatened or intimidated. That's all that's physical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you give
2: an employee that maybe doesn't even recognize that that is a safety issue or a
1: traumatizing thing? Well, first of all, I would say you're fired because you didn't listen in training (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I think we would work. You know, training is an issue you can easily rectify. So, mm-hmm. um, so I I would say okay then. These are the training modules I want you to go through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's really important to have a uh, to have a a solution. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I just know that working with with clients that I have, they don't even often recognize that they're in an abusive or traumatizing situation, and they're not safe because they're so used to feeling unsafe. They're so mm-hmm. used to being uh, bullied or being abused that it just transfers right over into the work environment, and they don't have the capacity to speak up. And so they're just they're they're just unaware. They're unaware mm-hmm. of the situation they're in. So in that case, are you working more on an employee level to help them understand their um, what safety is, what trauma is? Or are you working more from the top down with the the managers and the owners of these organizations?
1: One of the things that that SAMHSA has offered us is um, a, a model of ten organizational domains. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the point of the domains is it's, it's a part of the organizational operations where you need to insert trauma-informed practices. So it's basically a guidebook. Okay. So what are we going to work on first? Let's work on our governance. Okay. Let's look at the bylaws. Is that trauma-informed? So you go through governance. Let's look at finances. Are we setting aside resources to make yeah. sure people understand what trauma-informed practices are so all mm-hmm. there are all of these dimensions of the organization one of them is training and workforce development mm-hmm. and so yes probably and that's probably something that you want to work on concurrently to anything else you're working on mm-hmm. so um so if somebody doesn't recognize their own behavior then we need to make sure that there's a solution which would mean more training perhaps more interactive perhaps addressing things like this in our one-on-ones our supervisors meet with their their staff every week or every other week so these are things that can be addressed um it's it's when a person doesn't feel like they did anything wrong after it's been explained to them. That's when it scares me.
0: Yeah. Could you share? And I'm putting you on the spot here. So feel free to decline. But if you are comfortable, would you mind sharing a story? You don't have to use any, you know, identifiers or anything, but just sharing a story about a transformation that you've seen.
1: I will. Okay. Um, one of the things that when we at trauma responsive Frederick are training, in the community, one of the one of the phrases or uh, sound bites, I guess maybe that we want them to walk away with is we should no longer ask what's wrong with you. We ask what happened to you. And that's a sound bite that we take away or we, we give to people. And we, we're speaking at a rotary and um, after the Rotary, my 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 co co um, facilitator ran into somebody from that Rotary club out out in the community somewhere, and he said, "You know, he said that what happened to you thing. I tried that on my kids, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, they're telling me everything about their day." Okay. He said. When they would come home all mad or something, I'd say, Well, what'd you do? Well, now it's what happened to you. And then I get the honest feedback. And that that's so touching to me because that means they brought it home. Oh, and they'll teach they'll teach their kids that. So yeah.
0: That's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Very impactful. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that's beautiful showing that we can shift our perspective just by the questions that we're asking somebody, right? And being curious, what happened to you is a state of curiosity and wonder, as opposed to blame. What did you do? What's wrong with you? Just changes the energy and the vibration of the connection. Yes. Yes.
0: Not blaming or shaming. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was very, very helpful, and we really appreciate that. Can you tell us a little bit about how what you're doing in the community kind of goes back to helping individuals? Um, I mean, that was a perfect example. But if you have any other things,
2: <laughs> oh, um, or like resources that individuals um, can um, can have access to through your
1: work. Well, our website is full of resources. Um, it, it's really long trauma responsive, So you have to type all that in there, but, um, it's got a lot of, uh, resources about what is trauma? Where does trauma come from? Um, what are trauma responses? What are coping mechanisms? What's mindfulness, all this kind of stuff. Um, and, um, so that's a good place to go because we're always collecting, Uh, new articles and we try to bring it home to people. So it's, it's not, it's not um, academic speak. uh, It's not social worker speak. It's really meant to be for everybody. Um, And one of the things that we're learning, you know, is that we're getting away from that word trauma when we're talking with the community, it's too much, first of all, and they don't, they don't um, they relate it to physical trauma, like a head injury, um, and don't think about emotional trauma or don't think about it in the same way. So we start to, we're starting to think of it as hardship and that tends to resonate more with people. Um, so I think that, the whole field of trauma and trauma-informed practices is just evolving and and there's so much more we need to learn, um, but, but it's so promising in my mind because not only have we identified it, I'll tell you, as being a social worker for many, many years, I always knew that child abuse caused issues in adulthood the research wouldn't, didn't say that until the nineties and the two thousands. I mean, it's like, but we always knew this. So this, so, these
0: resources on the site, they're accessible to anybody, whether they're, regardless of whether they're located in Frederick or or not.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and they're not, most of them are not Frederick centric. I'm You know, we we link up the CDC site, which um, has, uh, you know, a huge website on ACEs and adverse childhood experiences. Um, And then the SAMHSA site that has a trauma informed practices model. Uh, So, all those kinds of things that are just, you know, universal. Um, One of the things I'd really like to see coming up in the future with regards to research and understanding is trauma in adulthood. We don't, you know, like we've started to understand trauma in childhood. We see women and men who have been traumatized in adulthood who didn't have any of the trauma of their childhood. They didn't have the complex or any kind of trauma, perhaps maybe one ace or something. Um, and so I, um, I think that a lot more research has to be done on that because we see people every day, obviously, where their victimization happens in adulthood. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and I love that you named like looking at resiliency and the, one of the main goals um, that I know that Asher and I both have when working with people is supporting them and increasing their capacity for resiliency so that regardless of what, Happens in the present moment, they're able to move through uh, and to stay regulated and and manage a situation and not fall back into the old patterns from childhood, right. from the lack of resiliency that they they didn't get the resiliency they needed in childhood. But you can learn it anytime. time; it is right. never too late to build resiliency in your system.
1: Right, and one of the things that people don't understand, what I'm thinking of professionals now they don't always understand is that they could be a protective factor in especially children's lives. Um, one of the organizations that um, we are working with, it works with Head Start kids hmm. um, on, a, on a, like a five day a week basis. And so they have a lot of opportunity to be a protective factor in that child's life. Um, and, and if we can create this trauma informed community Think of that. Think of how we could would think differently in interacting with children. Yeah. You know, they say it takes a village, but well, we don't really believe that. No, you know why I know that? Because we don't talk about what goes on behind closed doors. We don't think that's any of our business. Well, heck, when there are children involved, I believe it's our business. And so um I I just I just think that if we could have a trauma informed culture mm-hmm. that supports individuals who experience trauma, our society would look really different. And um, I I mean I would predict that within fifty years prison populations would go down. I could predict all kinds of things, um, but. We just have to bring everybody on board.
0: Well, that sounds like a wonderful concluding line. We really appreciate all the time that you have taken to give to us. Is there anything else, Kimberly, that you wanted to ask? know oh, I'm just appreciative of your
2: perspective and really like I don't have a lot of um, experience working within organizations. I have more experience working with one on one. So I'm very inspired and hopeful that there is more people like you out there that are working with on the organizational level um, so that we have it coming from both directions. How quickly we can change the world when, like you said, people are more trauma informed so that we can um, really we can have rapid change and growth. If people knew how to show up differently for people that were traumatized and stay regulated within themselves, um, the world would be a totally different place. So I love your vision of it with even in 50 years, what a drastic change that we can have. I agree. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and thank you all for joining us. And as always, Uh, Kimberly, and I think I can speak for Dr. James and myself are so happy to be here and so honored to be a part of your healing journey. Thank you.